You may think that fusion is something scientists study in a lab, or something a trendy restaurant is doing. But fusion affects our daily lives a lot more than you may know. Just going with the first example here, consider how without nuclear fusion in the heart of a star that went on to explode, you would not have air to breathe or any number of elements that make up our world. As it is in nature, so it is in the world of art, culture, and commerce. In the case of the latter, think back to 15 years ago, when a company launched a new concept, fusing its already well-established video subscription service by mail with the internet. A lot of people did not understand why someone would want to watch a movie via the internet when they could already get their movies as DVDs. In the art world, take an example from almost four decades before that, when one of the most famous and renowned trumpeters of the century picked up on rock and roll and made a record that a great many critics and even fellow artists they collaborated with absolutely hated. You may have already guessed what I'm referring to here, with the company Netflix and Miles Davis's Bitches Brew album respectively. Both were successful, to put it mildly, and both were examples of how prevalent fusion is in our history and our day-to-day, as well as how it can be hard to understand, at least at first. Like Miles Davis, John Cloyd Miller and Natalia Weinstein brought to life something unique by combining two styles of music that had, if not ever before, rarely met on record. With Miles Davis, it was jazz fusion, bringing rock and roll into a jazz context, and with John and Natalia's band Zoe and Cloyd, it's what they call klezgrass. Fusion is the North Star, guiding their musical direction on their latest collection titled Songs of Our Grandfathers, an album of songs associated with John's grandfather Jim Shoemate, the fiddle player well known for his time with Bill Monroe and Flatten Scruggs, and Natalia's grandfather David Weinstein, professional klezmer musician. Coming up, you'll get to hear from John Cloyd Miller and Natalia Weinstein, as well as WNCW's jazz host Roland Deeroff, as we dive into the world of old-time bluegrass and klezmer music and touch on the concept of fusion in the music world. Plus, we'll catch up on what Zoe and Cloyd have been up to lately, which includes making the song you're hearing now, Bemir Bistushane, from their upcoming album, Songs of Our Grandfathers. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick. Welcome to our episode on Zoe and Cloyd on Southern Songs and Stories. Bei mir hast du ich, bei mir bist du der von Geld. Viel schöner Meglach, oben schön gewohnt, neben mir und von sei alle ausgeklieben. Hoff ich nur dich, bei mir bist du schön, bei mir hast du kein. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. 
Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. But really, Joe, you know, tradition versus change, right? And in all kinds of music forms, we have this, you know, blues is played this way. It's always been played this way, and this is how we play the blues. But why don't we play the blues like this and mix in these sounds, you know? So you have those who don't like change and those who really like change. And that kind of tension is in music in every genre, I think. And then it's in our lives, right? It's in our relationships. On the way down here, I just was like, the first thing when we got in the car to drive to IBMA to be immersed in bluegrass for a week, um, I was like, can I put on my metal playlist? Because I really need to hear some Ozzy right now. I need to hear some Slayer, ACDC, whatever. Yes, I need to I need to get my mind right for the drive. So, you know. <laughs> it's funny. We always joke about, like, John, you know, we, we one of our favorite pastimes is, like, making up band names, you know, like, John Cloyd Miller and... What was it yesterday, John, John Cloyd Miller in Mashville? It's pretty good. <laughs> Genres like bluegrass and old time are often thought of as being static, as being forms of music that sound exactly like X because they cannot sound like Y and still be called by their name. But even though their history is pretty long at this point, they obviously had to come from somewhere at some point in time, and they had to have elements of other kinds of music at their foundations. You heard WNCW afternoon host and Saturday morning jazz host Roland Deroff moments ago, pointing out what often happens once genres get established. People begin to think of the music as static, as if it is an island. That can work out okay up to a point. After all, for any style of music to become successful, people need to be able to have a handle for it. It needs to stand out as being the one thing and not the other. But soon enough, everyone gets bored with music that sounds the same, no matter how good it is. The music needs new blood. Music X has gone too long without cozying up to Music Y. We need some inspiration here or else things get derivative sooner or later. And to be inspired, it helps to be well informed. Now, inspiration is a term that gets overused, and in doing so, it can lose a lot of its meaning. I often think of the difference between being inspired and being informed when it comes to music. The song you're hearing in the background now, On the Corner, the title track to the Miles Davis album, was the result of inspiration. Miles witnessed the raw electric power of rock bands in the 60s and was inspired to bring that style and sensibility into the jazz realm. John Cloyd Miller, on the other hand, was not inspired by Ozzy Osbourne when he played at the International Bluegrass Music Association convention and festival where we spoke last fall. That's more of a case of being informed. John knows Slayer and ACDC, and Natalia can joke about a fantasy band named John Cloyd Miller in Mashville, but none of that is going to be front and center on their album. Rather, the absence of metal can be thought of as informing Zoe and Cloyd's music. Becomes a bit like what Miles Davis referred to in his quote about the notes that you don't play, in the sense that Zoe and Cloyd benefit from knowing what metal music is when they play a bluegrass song. The bluegrass song has all sorts of metal riffs in it that do not get played, but knowing them, in an indirect way, helps define it as a bluegrass tune. But what happens when being informed about a style of music crosses over into being inspired to bring it into someplace new? 
So often this happens by degrees, with rhythms or a technique with playing one instrument, or an aesthetic seeping into one form of music from another, often from many others, over a period of years. But from time to time, we get a Miles Davis coming up with a novel style that is fully formed from the jump. Every so often, there's a Tom Rothrock producing R.L. Burnside, or Bela Fleck forming the Flecktones. These are the moments when we witness fusion in music, and we have arrived at another one with Zoe and Cloyd. At the time of our interview, I had not heard any of their upcoming album, so I was not yet thinking of fusion being associated with their music when I asked them what they played that was on the edges of their sound and where they pushed the envelope. What's the edge of Zoe and Chloe? What's the edge of Zoe and Chloe? Well, that sounds sh- like a, con- a concept album. Well, well we're <laughs> actually we're working on a, a new concept album right now, actually. That's, it, it's I not that edgy, though. <laughs> I think it is. I think, think it's, it's pushing edgy? us to, to um, you know, it's, it's a project called Songs of Our Grandfathers, so it's gonna. It's sort of inspired by the 1995 David Grisman and Andy Statman album "Songs of Our Fathers." Um, but this one's gonna sort of, you know, really focus in. We've we've kind of touched on this in our projects over the years, but uh, it's really gonna focus in on kind of John's bluegrass heritage and my klezmer heritage. And so we've been figuring out how to combine those more instead of like having oh a klezmer song here and a bluegrass song there. Like how can we bring those merge those two styles together? Um, so that's been kind of a fun challenge for us. Like how we can uh, add a doina to a fiddle tune, like a little intro, you know, kind of a improvised uh, minor intro to a, a fiddle tune. Or how can we uh, medley put a put a little Jewish breakdown in the middle of you know up and uh, buckle up the backstrap or something like that. So we've been trying to figure out ways to kind of bring those two sides of our musical sensibilities together. I mean, I think I think almost every artist you talk to, you know, is going to talk about how they, well, maybe not everyone, but, you know, we like our sound to evolve and, and you know, pretty naturally. You know, I think if you go through our, our catalog of albums that we've made, it's you see a trajectory or different changes through that. And I, I think progression, that's, yeah. I think that's kind of fun with with music while while staying true to your sound whatever that may be but um yeah i mean we've we've been incorporating more spontaneity and trying to you know i don't know i'm always a big fan i don't i don't think we're going to turn into a jam band or anything but i'm i i've always been a big deadhead i'm a huge fish fan i love jam band music i love all kinds of music i mean metal you you name it but i don't think we're going to be incorporating that but we do we do we really like spontaneity and improvisation mm-hmm. uh, I mean to me that's that's one of the things I really find exciting about music and you know I, I don't know I'm always I'm always willing to explore more of that in our music yeah I think forward. the the Billy Strings phenomenon has made has uh, encouraged okay. a lot of bands yeah I mean like we you know a lot of the showcases we saw here people are really stretching out songs or um, creating that kind of jam portion of the of the program which is cool I, I think it's fun and exciting and I definitely um, you know we've been trying to incorporate that kind of stuff too it's it's exciting to to try something new and I think uh, it's sort of just yeah kind of going with the uh, the current trends I guess well, even <laughs> just like even just like playing your song how you feel it in the moment I mean I feel like that's I'll speak for myself, but I think that that's something I've always enjoyed about bands, you know, especially bands like in, you know, for instance, the jam band genres, like if I used to go see the dead, like they never played the song the same Way every twice, night. Yeah. Right. You know, and the, it was just like, I like that how I'm going to interpret a song tonight might be different than I felt it last night or whatever, you know? And I, and I just love that sort of creating in the moment, 
you know, spontaneity of it. To me, that keeps the music fresh. I don't want to play the same thing every night, you know. Um, so, and, you know, and you can take the whole idea of like what a improvisation or a jam is out to the extreme, or you can find a place where you are creating and it's and it's um, you know authentic to your your sound, I guess you'd say. Yeah, it's like you want to arrange stuff enough that you create, you know, interesting things happening, but not so much that you're, uh, you know, kind of over-arranging the, the spontaneity of it. Yeah, so I think that that's something that we're kind of exploring. Natalia, tell us a little bit about klezmer music and, and maybe give us a primer for those who are unfamiliar with it and maybe go into the intersection a little bit more, like you said, about how it works its way into Zoe and Cloyd. Yeah, well, um, klezmer music, you know, originated in Eastern Europe uh, as music of Jewish, you know, uh, Eastern Europeans, and it was traditionally played for weddings and celebrations, and um, it was uh, community music, much like old-time music uh, is kind of in the Appalachian region. Or, um, and so uh, it was, and you know, it was a very important part of Jewish culture to have music. Like they would have seven-day wedding celebrations, and and music there was like very specific songs for different parts of the of the week or the you know, the cere- the wedding ceremony or uh, walking the bride in or anything like that or the dance of the parents, uh, kind of this, like, this dance of reconciliation and fighting, like, you know, so there's just this, there's a big history behind it. Um, and my grandfather, who immigrated from Eastern Europe, um, he arrived here in, in the United States in 1923. Um, and so next year will be the 100th anniversary of his arrival here. So that's kind of why we're excited to release this album next year. Um, but he, uh, he, he made his living here as a professional klezmer musician. I mean, he did a lot. I think the, another thing that's kind of characteristic of klezmer musicians is they kind of had to play whatever people wanted them to. Um, so, you know, like kind of standard wedding, yeah, wedding band musicians. So they incorporate in Eastern Europe, they incorporated a lot of other styles of music too, like other regional folk styles or classical songs or, um, popular music of the time. And so in the United States, he, he played a, a wide variety of, of music. I have some of his music, old handwritten music notebooks and, you know, and he lived in actually, he came through Argentina so he's got tangos and mambos and um, but he also has you know Tennessee waltz written in there and some jazz standards and then a bunch of klezmer stuff Um, so it's really interesting how you know he had to really be able to play a wide variety of music to make a living as a musician that's amazing I've never thought about the 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 context of klezmer having that commonality with I guess old time because yeah. it seemed like a real old time sort of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Community music for weddings, events, celebrations, dances. It was a lot of dance music, you and know. old time is all about the dance. Exactly. Like Bulgars and Horas and Freylocks, all these different dance styles. Uh, they all, all the, you know, it's not unlike, uh, yeah, it is really funny the, the parallels and similarities between you know, what we would consider American old-time music. I mean, it's folk music. It's just folk music, you know, for that community. That, yeah, and it's got that intensity and that swing. Yeah, I think it also has a lot of, like, with, to me, like, the kind of emotional uh, component of, like, both bluegrass music where you're really communicating, um, you know, hardship and, and pain and beauty and all sorts of a, a variety of the emotions of the human experience, you know. And I think that that's another kind of cool commonality between that I find between klezmer music and bluegrass music is really just uh, trying to communicate and and express that uh, human experience. And I have to admit, by being not really caught off guard, but having to wrap my head around what Zoe and Cloyd are doing with what they call klezgrass, Mm. and their new record is Songs of Our Grandfathers. It's all covers of music from the bluegrass tradition, of course, 
uh, John John's grandfather was Jim Shoemate, so he's mm-hmm. got all songs that Jim was associated with. And Zoe Cloyd, that's Natalia Weinstein, Zoe of Zoe and Cloyd, her grandfather was a klezmer musician. Mm-hmm. So they've got all of this klezmer, and so they're putting those two directly together in this. And we realized, I think just in the course of our conversation that the common thread is old time music and the dance tradition mm-hmm. and klezmer music and old time music being geared for social events. If you go back far enough, I think every culture, if you go back in the music, they have dance music and, and drone music. You know, you can go to Africa, you can go to Asia, you can go anywhere in that sort of rhythmic drone and repetitive um, harmonic patterns. And uh, yeah, it, it all kind of comes together but it's interesting you're talking about their their grand their parents um our lives were fusion right <laughs> i mean that, why, to me it makes so much sense why would you not be fusing music we do we fuse culture we fuse our backgrounds constantly so uh yeah that, that's kind of the direction i lean in i guess um it, can fusion go wrong of course is there some bad fusion music and yes or fusion cuisine yes huh. but is it worth experimenting and taking that shot I think so, yeah. Some of Up and Adam by Zoe and Cloyd, following a bit of conversation with WNCW's Roland Deeroff, after John and Natalia, who referenced this song as an example of their fusion of klezmer and bluegrass. John's grandfather, Jim Shoemate, recorded this song as the title track to his 1991 album, which landed on the Library of Congress American Folklife Center's list of outstanding folk records of that year. Zoe and Cloyd's version adds a klezmer style Doina intro and features Andy Statman on mandolin. A common thread throughout my conversations with acoustic roots musicians is their encouraging and inclusive community. There is a resiliency to the bluegrass scene because of its grassroots nature, and the fact that it had to survive without the big paychecks that came to pop stars, for example. Without the lure of superstardom, the roots music world benefits from having players that are not trying to jump in for just cash. Here's Natalia Weinstein. Yeah, it's very different than like pop music, I think, or, or even country music. So, yeah, it does have that um, different different feel, I think. You feel like people are, are doing this kind of music, um, again, in a broad sense, 
for the right reasons because they really do love the music. I mean, it, it's a it's a rare uh, artist or act that really makes it big and has a huge, you know, massive success story about that. Um, but yeah, so that's that's really I don't know. The people are they're really good people, and it's a it's a great community of people to be around. So. Yeah, and we both teach at you know Warren Wilson College, and they have a, a great traditional music program there. And um, we've got a, a, a student band coming down to perform on Saturday night. The Bluegrass Band is really great this semester. I mean, just top notch. So it's so fun to to again kind of work with that next generation and get them excited to be part of become part of this community, this ever growing community. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a real honor. Harmony is so central to your sound. Mm. Could you tell us a, a bit about how you conceive of your songwriting? How how does harmony fit into that? Is there is that always foremost in your mind? Hmm, that's a great question. I mean, I always, I'm always a believer that a, a great song can sort of stand on its own, and uh, that it can be you know somebody could just sit down with a guitar in their voice, and it can be a great song, you know, or it could be conceived in a really large way. But yeah, I always think about a lot of times if I'm writing a song, I'll speak for myself or us. Um, you know, I'll, I'll think, you know, I'll often imagine like, oh, could we do a, you know, a good harmony part right here? Or how could we conceptualize something like that to make it a little bigger? You know, if you're writing for a different project or for different reasons, maybe you're not thinking about that as much. But for us, I often, I, I do that. I know. Yeah. I mean, I think when we're creating a song, we're often thinking about that, that goes into developing the melody line or developing the chords like that that's a song we were just kind of working on that love like mountains song we were just working up a new song and um you know we had a we have a nice harmony worked up on the chorus and then we were like well how can we fit that that you know the the verse melody in uh, maybe we should kick it up and you should sing lead and then swap up to the tenor and so we're always kind of I think that's always on our mind when we're arranging songs, especially or working them up to their final forms is how is it going to best suit our skill set and our, our voice, our vocal ranges. I'm glad you mentioned harmony because, uh, well, I'm teaching a harmony class right now at Warren and Wilson. So harmony has been on my mind, but I, I always, to me, you know, it's something I love in music in general, vocal harmony. And it's something I've always loved in, in bluegrass music, particularly, as my you know, I always, of course, loved the the stylist, the instrumentalist, Bill Monroe, and people like that. But I, my the the real loves I had were like the Stanley Brothers harmonies and things like that, where it was just like, you know, it just sounded otherworldly. Or bands like the Leuven Brothers, or you know, that just really just yeah, just where harmony was paramount in their music. And that's um, yeah, it's something I've always carried with me for sure. Pulling into the home stretch of this episode with the classic bluegrass cover, We'll Meet Again, Sweetheart. Originally, one of four sides Jim Shoemate recorded with Flatten Scruggs for the Mercury label in 1948. That early lineup of the Foggy Mountain Boys featured Jim on fiddle, with Mac Wiseman on guitar, Cedric Rainwater on bass, and of course Lester Flatt on lead vocal and guitar, and Earl Scruggs setting the standard for everyone thereafter on banjo. That's our show. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it when you spread the word about this series, and it is easy to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, where it will only take a minute to give us a great rating, and where it's an option, a review. This series is a part of the lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. 
Thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, where we worked with Joshua Ming, who wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. Remember what I say, sweetheart, we'll meet again someday, someday. Yeah, and just, you know, trying to get outside as much as we can, always trying to stay balanced. That's very important mm-hmm. for us, you know, getting outside and, you know, hiking. Or I like to work in the in the woods, cut down trees, whatever. John likes to Chop clean firewood. the woods. I'm yep. like, honey, is Some that gardening. really a top priority right now to cut down that <laughs> fallen tree off in the woods? But he said yeah. it's good for his mental health. Been so. catching a lot of bears on my, on my trail cam in the woods. It's been fun, you know. Um, yeah, just, you know, life stuff. But, yes, our daughter keeps us very busy. She's a... A bundle of joy. <laughs> a seven-year-old bundle of joy. I, I love to run a chainsaw myself. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just wonderful. Yeah. It's it makes great you exercise. Fe- it makes you feel, um, it's amazing how tiring it is. It is. Because yeah. that thing weighs, you know, 20 pounds. Yeah, mine's really heavy. So it's, it's just like, like I, I just need to get a 16-inch and it's 15 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever Yeah, well, mine's an 18-inch, Joe. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of so course, you yours know. is a little small, but that's okay. You'll 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 graduate to a bigger one one of these days. <laughs> See, that's I'm actually the thing hoping like to get a really light old man chainsaw for Christmas because I'm a. But but the bigger chainsaw is just going to encourage me to chop down a bigger tree, which is more danger. Yes, yes. It's amazing how you look at a tree, and it's not that big of a tree as far as trees go. But man, when you when the tree goes down and then you, which is scary enough, and then you have all this wood to deal with, <laughs> it, it starts looking a lot bigger when it hits the ground, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> and then you have to deal with all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it'll keep you strong. Keep you strong, Joe. Since you've stuck around for this episode's epilogue, you would probably enjoy one of our previous episodes, titled Sierra Hall, Natalia Weinstein, Becky Buller, Claire Lynch, and Della May, What Does It Take to Be a Leading Lady? Where all of our guests talk about overcoming hurdles and finding their place in the bluegrass spotlight, with many excerpts of their music. Natalia was also featured in an episode from back in 2018 
called Women in Music, What They Face and Overcome. Also, congratulations to Zoe and Cloyd for getting booked at the OMA Festival in Northern Ireland this spring. That's their first trip abroad. Thanks to John and Natalia for giving us their time, as well as Roland Deeroff. I hope that you will also support the music of the artists you enjoy hearing on Southern Songs and Stories, and we'll be back for more podcasts in this series, old and new. I will travel to Merlefest in late April and then plan on being at Albino Skunk Music Fest in mid-May, and we'll be talking to artists and music folks at both, so wish me luck. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>